Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to our sermon series titled Beginnings Matter, where Pastor Ryan will be unpacking the truth of the beginning so our future can be established with purpose. Thanks for listening. Let's do this. I'm going to give you a privilege. Let's stand together again and read the Word of Life. Amen? Amen. To read the Word of Life. We're going to be jumping right in this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 1. So if you have your copy of the Scriptures, the Bread of Life. Hey, we're just all poor beggars looking for bread. Amen? Amen. We're going to read starting in verse number 1 of John chapter 1. So if you go right to the middle, normally in your Bibles you'll end up in Psalm. You can hook a right and go all the way to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark. Then you'll find Luke. Then you'll find John. The boys. The boys. And that's where we're going to be. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Give you just a few minutes to get there. As always, our fantastic team back there throws stuff on the screen to keep us from uh, being distracted. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him and apart from Him. Not one thing was created that has been created. Verse 4, in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. To God be the glory. You guys can be seated. We're about to jump right in there this morning. The title is this, the big idea of what I want you to solidify in your heart and in your mind this morning. Without a shadow of a doubt, if I send you a test text on Thursday and say, speak it, you will say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Let's say that together, church. I am a child of God. And I'll even add to it, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Here's the thing. we're coming off of our series, Beginnings Matter. And we're going to move right into a new set of messages that I believe move in the same lane. They complement one another. It's the peanut butter to the jelly. It's the Doritos that I like to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't eat one without the other. Just ask my wife. It's a thing, okay? They run in the same vein. The last 10 weeks, here's what we've been doing. 
We've been unpacking the seven days of creation to find a foothold in who God is. Understanding God correctly, y'all, what I want you to know, understanding God correctly is only one side of that foothold. Think of a foothold as in two parts. Understanding God correctly is one half of that foothold. We must also see ourselves correctly. That's the other thing that we can hold on to. What is our identity as a Christian? I mean, when we look in the mirror, when we look in the spiritual mirror, who are we really? I'm, I'm not saying not what you feel like today. Not your opinion in this current situation. Not who friends tell you you should be. I'm talking about what are the facts? Y'all with me? Because sometimes when I lay down at night, I don't feel like a Christian. I've said things, I've done things, I've thought things that I'm like, Lord, don't let go of me. I don't feel worthy today of the title. But we have to stick with the facts. Amen? What is our correct identity? And so for the next few weeks, what I'm going to be doing is unpacking the true identity of a Christian. I'm unpacking the reality. And my prayer is this. If you're, not, if you're not following the Christ of the Bible, I pray that you hear this truth and you say, yes, pastor, I want my identity to be that. That's what I want. That's what I've been longing for. I've been hungering and thirsting for this truth. How do I get some of that? You're in the right place. Amen. We got to see God correctly. We have to see ourselves correctly. But make no mistake. Make no mistake. <clears throat> if you're a believer, Satan will, can't, cannot steal your soul. But he will absolutely attempt to steal your identity in Christ. He is a, he is a punk. And I can't wait till he gets thrown to like the fire forever. But until that moment, he is ruthlessly trying to steal from us. We can be a child of God. That, that, label, can, that label can anchor us because it anchored Jesus. See, here's what I mean by that. Jesus never questioned his identity because he was confident in his Father's hands. And, 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 and in Christ, y'all... In Christ, God has put those same arms around us in this moment, this in-between place where we're looking around going, what is going on? We have a lap we can climb up into. We can, we can know our identity, but if we're honest, if we don't saturate our lives with the truth that we're some kingdom kids, if we don't saturate your life in that, you'll find yourself running the streets lonely. That, that's, just, that's just the reality. You, you'll find yourself running the streets lonely, confused, going, who am I? Who in the world am I? I don't know if you guys ever heard of him, but Frank Abnell. Frank Abnell was, was 16 when an administrator from his Catholic school got him out of class drove him to a courthouse where his parents were waiting with a judge. He had no idea why he was there. When he got there, he was told, 
that his parents just divorced and the judge wanted him to choose on the spot if he wanted to live with his mom or his dad. Frank said this, I didn't want to make that choice. So I ran out of the courtroom crying and I never went back home. It was seven years before he saw his mom again. He never saw his father again. He said nobody wanted to hire a 16-year-old runaway, but he was six feet tall and he had some gray hair. And all of his friends told him that he looked a lot older than he actually was. And so he changed his birth certificate. He got a driver's license to say he was 26. And Frank impersonated his way around the United States, stealing identity as he went. He was a master at identity theft. Frank cashed Two and a half million dollars in checks in every state in America, 26 nations around the world in a period of five years. He took on the identity of an airline pilot. He took on the identity of a pediatrician in Georgia in the 70s. You might want to ask some questions. He took on the identity of an attorney. Of a professor. And in 1970 he was caught by the French police. On unrelated charges. Isn't <laughs> that normally the way it goes? See here's the thing. He ran for a while but it didn't last. It didn't last because truth is like that nasty splinter. You can try to ignore it. But it will painfully work its way out. If you don't deal with it right away. Amen. Frank Abnell. There's a movie made about him. Catch me if you can. Some of you guys have. Incredible story. And I often think, man, what good, what good could he have done if he had found his identity in God instead of the broken things of this world? What could he have done for the kingdom? Y'all write this down. Loving ourselves correctly means seeing ourselves as God sees us. Loving ourselves correctly means seeing ourselves as God sees us. Listen to him, church. I want you to get this. Facts do exist. But truth is always the first casualty of war. <laughs> Facts do exist. I know today they are hard to come by. It's just hard to know what's true. Amen? I mean, you've got, one, you've got one person saying this, and you've got another person saying this. You're like, what in the world is true? We have to have something to, to, that we can anchor ourselves on because as Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its way will end in death. And so truth, think about what Pilate asked Jesus right before the crucifixion. He was battling in his own heart. What should I do? And he asked the truth, what is truth? To which Jesus said, I, I, am, I am truth. I know this pilot, I know this world's confusing. And I know it's impossible to understand what is true. And I know that truth is the first casualty of war. And you live that life. But I am truth. And what I want to tell you this morning is, truth is the key to protecting our identity so we can live lives, y'all, that shine forth like the high beam in the night. That's what truth will get us.
That's what we find in John. The first thing I want you to know is this. In verse 1 through 9 of John. That God, desire, God doesn't want confusion about your identity. He, he desires for you to get up in the morning and say, I am who you say I am. Now let's live some life. Let's go shine the high beam in the darkness. God does not want confusion in your identity. Let's, let's look back at the text. God doesn't want you to be confused about your identity. Verse 1 says, in the beginning, God was the word. We just left 10 weeks, 31 verses of what in the beginning means. We have that full series digitally. You can get it. It's binge worthy. You can watch it all on about, you know, you can listen to everything in a day. I promise. And like I said last week, if you miss something, if you really want and you can't have access online, you call me, you fix dinner, I'll preach it in your living room. I promise. Beginnings, what, church? Matter. I digress. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him and apart from Him. Not one thing was created that had been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Here's the thing. As I'm working through this, I just like to write myself empty. I like to read and I like to flush out every crazy thought that I have and just put it out and say, God, take it and help, help it come together in some way that we can actually reach it and we can, we can digest it. And these truths just flooded over my heart. God doesn't want me to be confused and you to be confused about our identity. What we see right here is the writer of this book, John, it was the same John that wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. It's the same John that wrote the Revelation. He was the only apostle not martyred for his faith. The other guys? Killed for their testimony. Can you imagine that? Here we are, have a flat tire. Here we are, roll in. We forget what day it is. We roll in on Sunday some Chick-fil-A. What a dirty, rotten trick to play. And we're like, Lord, do you even care about me? He was the only one not killed for his faith. In Leonardo da Vinci's The Painting, The Last Supper, this John is, is, the, is the young man immediately to Jesus' right. He was, he was a close personal friend of the Lord. He's described explicitly in this gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. He was his delight. But in verse 6, it says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I mean, duh, didn't he write it? Different John. What this is saying is, this, the John that verse 6 is talking about is John the Baptist. Both men, both men were to bear witness 
to the revealing of the light so everybody, listen, in confidence in their God-giving identity can be sure of it. They can be sure of their identity physically, emotionally, and spiritually. John is saying, there was a guy that came before me. We just happened to share the same name. He wasn't the light, but he was like a lantern telling the world, hey, the light's come. Here comes the light. Y'all get ready. Turn your eyes over the hill. The light is about to arrive. So we have two sets of Johns, right? Y'all got that? The, 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 they're there to be witnesses that we are not confused about what is true about us. John chapter 8 says, as he was saying these things, many believed. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what John is saying about John the Baptist is, hey, the light has come into the world. There was a guy that came before the light and said, hey, y'all, look over the hill. Here comes the light, and when that light gets here, it's going to set your tail free from the bondage of this dark world. So that's where we are. Think of the word witness. I mean, we think of the word witness it kind of comes to mind. Witness was the theme of this book in John. The mission of both Johns, John the Apostle and John the Baptist, was not to exalt themselves, but to be a witness, catch this, about the identity of the Messiah. These men were to testify about the light that was revealing what was actually true. Think about it like this. Heaven's key witness took on flesh and took the stand in the person of Jesus. Are y'all with me? See, the legal term witness and testify, y'all know this, those two words have to do with fact, not an opinion, as in a court setting. I mean, in, in a court of law, feelings and opinions are useless. You know it. You want solid, unwavering testimony so that the judge and the jury can rightly apply the law to your account. You don't want there to be any question. At least I don't. I mean, if somebody accused you of shoplifting, you don't want the witness to say, I think that's a guy. I mean, I think it's... I, I mean, I think it's Joe. I mean, it was a guy like Joe. He had, he had transitional lenses. I mean, you know, it, it could be. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe. I feel like it probably is him. Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like it. I mean, my friends say that, 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 they, that they think they are. I mean, TikTok said so. Do you want a judge deciding your future on that? Do we, church? No way. Y'all write this down. What is right is always found in the light and the attack of the heart is always in the dark. What is right is always found in the light and the attack of the heart. Oh my goodness, this is going to set somebody free this morning. The attack of the heart is always in the dark. You know, we say things like shady. We, think, we say things like sketch. You know, we use these words like that place right there, that place is shady. 
That guy right there, that guy's scared. What do we mean by that? What we mean is it's a false appearance of truth, but we know that there is, there is illegitimate gain happening in the shadows. Y'all with me? I mean, identity thieves rob. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you've been uh, a guilty, you know, uh, um, guilty of having this happen to you. But identity thieves steal over 500,000 identities every year. Identity theft. They do it for one reason. It's profitable. It's shady. It's easy money. But I want you to know this. I've come by to tell you this, church. There is another type of identity form, identity theft, that's taking over our culture today. And it's this. People are walking away from their biblical identity in record numbers, assuming the identity of a crowd because it's profitable to the flesh. It's in the shadows. Sociologists say, y'all catch this, 20 new religions pop up every single year in the United States. 20 each with a new spin on feelings and truth. Nearly a third of Americans will try out a religion in their lifetime. Try out. I'm going to tell you, you don't try out Jesus. He either wrecks your life and gets you going, or you don't have a glimpse of who he is. There is no wonder so many people are confused about who God has made them to be. The reason is, it's playing right into the lucrative business of confusion. So I want you to know this. If, parents and grandparents, I don't want you to make any mistake about it. There are forces at work in our culture that want to rob you and your kids of their walk with Christ. Don't you think for a second there is not an assault on you. And here's the way they do it, either by stealing your identity or entrapping you so you're willingly giving it up. And here's what happens. Instead of this pure um, and, and peaceful and identity as a child of God, those forces of darkness want you to be confused, want you to be a weak-willed person who is spiritually impotent, and emotionally unhealthy. Staring in the mirror going, who in the world am I? Is it who TikTok tells me I am? Is it who my friends tell me? Is it, is it what my feelings are telling me? We have to push back on that. To God be the glory, amen? We have to stand on something firm. If there is any confusion in your life in any way, especially in the area of identity, it is not God's fault. John chapter 1 tells us you cannot blame on confusion on the Lord because he doesn't want you to be confused about your identity. Jesus himself, catch this now, took on the flesh of humanity, humbling himself to the point of death to demonstrate what is true about us, what is true about me, and what is true about you. This is beautiful. The eyewitness of Scripture it sets a firm ground that you can build your identity on. A firm ground. See, here's the thing. If a tornado were to come through here and hit this building, if the roof is torn off, it would not be condemned. You can put a new roof on. 
If it takes off the roof and a wall, it will not be condemned. If it takes out, because you can repair, if it takes out the, wall, the, the roof and all the walls, we can rebuild. If a fire comes in and wipes us out, we're not, that's not going to happen. Pastor Stan's already done that, okay? I'm just teasing. If that happens, we can rebuild, amen? But if the foundation is cracked, it's useless. Condemned. You have to completely rebuild. What I'm saying is this. The eyewitness of Scripture sets a firm ground of fact that you can build your identity on. Here's the second thing. Identity is a choice to accept. We're working through this. Identity is something you accept. God doesn't want us to be confused by our identity. Identity is a choice to accept. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his people did not receive him. What we see right here is, uh, is the Apostle John is using imagery from Genesis. He's bringing light up. He's using that same light-dark motif. You see that? In the beginning, so it only makes sense what was written in the beginning of Moses, he would use the same idea. What he's doing is he's showing, he's bringing up that God reveals himself by light. So in Genesis, when God made light, if y'all remember, it's not the object of light, meaning the stars and the, and the sun. That wasn't created until day four. When God's light is talked about, it's that designated period where he mysteriously and actively reveals his nature. So when John is saying, light has come into the world, God is revealing more of his nature. Not just the, not just, um, the Elohim, but the Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. It's just got personal. He's revealing it to us. At creation, God's identity was coming out. And it was accepted. Y'all with me? Nature did not reject what was being revealed by the Creator accepted. God was coming out and He accepted it. What we see right here in these verses is the word world for the very first time. And this is why it's important. The idea of world, when John uses it, is not talking about materials. Not, not dirt, not water, not H2O. You know, not, not the material parts, the plants and the animals. When John uses world, he, he uses a particular Greek word that's talking about actions found in human environment. Basically, the way people are choosing to live. The world. And we use it the same way. You know, don't let the world influence you. Be in the world, but not of the world. We use things like this. What in the world? We have this dog. She is, she is, um, she is spiritual sandpaper for me. She makes me smooth for Jesus. Josie. She's a one-year-old boxer, female. And she, I really believe, she's, Emma, she's got issues, doesn't she? 
Ooh, this dog. We had some. Uh, we we had some pictures that we went through, and and uh, Debbie had boxed all these pictures up, and we were going to pass these pictures off, and and inside that box was was a was a family Bible, and this thing was you know a family Bible. It was it was heavy. It probably weighed at least ten pounds. We look out in the yard. She's running across the yard with that family Bible in her mouth. I'm like, what in the world is wrong with this dog? You see? Amazon delivered a package. We get home. The package, I think, was from Bath and Body Work. She's running through the yard with lotion in her mouth. She has destroyed the box. And I get out and I'm like... What in the world is wrong with you? That's the idea that John's talking about here. The world. The actions. What? You are a very strange individual. What, is, what in the world is wrong with you? Y'all get that? What in the world is going on here? So what, what, what we see is God came into a situation where people chose willingly to act contrary to what had been revealed. What in the world are they doing? Even though the light had come into the world, people were refusing to accept it. And I want you to catch this. The triune Godhead, the being, the essence of the Trinity, was revealing more of His identity again. But this time the revealing wasn't in creation. The revealing was in human flesh. Whoa. But the world preferred to accept something else. Something easier. Something comfortable. Something more popular. Something that would get all up in your feelings. But it was ungodly and it was untrue. What in the world are we doing? God's own things did not accept what was clearly given. That's what verse 10 and 11 tells us. His own things. Only Jesus could stop the identity theft of the human heart. And he was being rejected. Rolling in on our behalf, looking at us, going, What in the world are y'all doing? And very little has changed, church. The world is still accepting unbiblical and ungodly and untrue labels for its actions. It's just under a new disguise of love and tolerance. When the only thing left that we can't speak out against is not speaking out against anything, we're in deep trouble. When the only virtue left is the virtue of tolerance, our culture is sliding in the wrong direction. When the only thing you can't do is say you can't do something, you've lost it all. A church that's lost repentance has lost it all. What in the world are we doing? We're living in our feelings. We're living in a false identity. Pastor Ryan, does love win? Absolutely. It wins every time truth is accepted. 
If you love me, let, let me be. Y'all, that's not love. That's neglect. And neglect rooted in hate. Love wins. Let me be. How, how is that love? I love to pass a bus with its red flashers on. Does love win there? No. I love to watch our dogs thirst on a hot summer day. Love wins. Doesn't it? No. I love to watch my girls cry because they're being bullied at school. I love it. Does love win? I'm making a point here, okay? I'm, 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 I'm being facetious. No, it doesn't win. I love it when Debbie is worried sick because she knows I'm almost home and she hears fire and rescue going up the road. Does love win? No. I love to watch baseball. Does love win? Yes. Here's my point. Why? Because it's a beautiful game. The game is beautiful because there are truth involved. There are rules. Y'all with me? Y'all tracking their rules, their boundaries, their chalk lines, their umpires. Home plate is always 17 inches. The bases are always 90 feet apart. The ball is always 5 ounces. Three strikes is always an out. There are straight, unquestionable foul lines. Amen? The rules are strict because the game is a beautiful thing. Love wins. Love wins when we accept to live as Christ lived. Truth revealed in flesh. You can take that to the bank. And see, in order to stop the world from continuing to make a profit off of what it wants your identity to be, I'm telling you, lay your need for identity. Catch this. Lay your need, lay our need for identity at the feet of Jesus. Bring your feelings inside the boundaries of truth. Bring those untrue labels of your broken past inside the boundaries of truth. Bring unconfessed sin inside the bloodline boundaries of your Creator. And for goodness sakes, be an eyewitness to what God can do. Life is beautiful. Because the rules are so strict. Love wins. Stop letting the world rip you off. That's what I'm trying to say. Teenagers, stop letting the world rip you off. What is true about you is what God says about you. Y'all write this down. God is revealing Himself to us so that we know who we are in Him. It's not a secret. He's not trying to fool us, to hoodwink us. Make us wonder when you look in the mirror, when you kneel at this altar, when you walk in on Sundays, when we lift our hands together in corporate worship. We don't have to wonder, who, who am I today? How you, me and Pastor Tom laugh about this. People will get up in church and say, how are you feeling? I don't want to know how you feel. I want to tell you who you are. Because it's in that truth that you can stand and you can have confidence in your identity. Amen? I hope you're feeling all right out there. But more than I hope you feel all right, I hope you are, are all right. Don't, don't get ready. Be ready is what I'm saying. 
Be ready. Know who you are. The eternal, catch this now, the, the eternal expression of God, Jesus, took human form because he doesn't want those things made in his image to be stuck in confusion about who the Father made them to be. The light, y'all, he's flipped the light on for us. The blood of Christ. Y'all with me over there? You with me? The blood of Christ paid the penalty of sin. The cross of Christ overcame the power of sin. Oh, death, where is your sting? It's lost its grip on me. Amen? And the resurrection in Christ will remove the presence of sin. You've been set free. That's what it means. The penalty has been done. The power has been unleashed. The presence of sin is no longer ruling and reigning in your life. Y'all, that's what being a Christ follower means. That's what a Christian means. It's a little Christ. We share that identity. We have been engrafted into, into the life of the ascended Lord. Whoa! As partakers of the divine nature. That's who we are. We are who you say we are, Lord. We are hidden with Christ. And one day, we're going to be with Him, in pursuit of Him, bearing His full, unshattered image forever, forever in heaven. Bring it on. See, you don't have to be perfect to be loved by God. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to be. That is my apologetic argument for the person that says, Pastor, I thought the Bible says you don't have to be... God, God didn't love perfect people. You don't have to be perfect to be loved by God. You're exactly right. Thank goodness. But once you experience salvation through justification for His glorification, that, why would we not want to try to be? If you grasp it, I'm like, turn the light on. Turn the light on. Accept what God says about you. Here's the thing. We, we just came out of that chosen series. If you're a part of that in small group. You are chosen and you are redeemed. We are loved by God. That's who you are. If you're in Christ, you are chosen. You are redeemed. He has called you by name. That's who you are. And identity is a choice to accept. It's a choice to accept. It's also a label to apply. Three handles this morning you can hold on to. God doesn't want confusion about your identity. God doesn't want you to be confused about your identity. God, it's a choice to accept. It is a label to apply. I don't know about you, but I don't like to go into a conference and the first thing I see is those little white stickers trimmed in blue that says, hello, my name is. And you have to like, are you serious right now? It just feels so awkward. But I have to choose to apply that label if I want people to identify with me. Identity is a choice 
to accept. What in the world's going on? You have to grab on to truth and you have to accept that it's true. Amen? And then you have to daily apply that thing. You have to daily apply what you have chosen to accept from what you know is undeniable truth. I think the reason there's so much chaos in the life of a believer is they just refuse to accept who God says they really are. They refuse to put on the label. They stand and then they write their name on it. I am a child of God. And then they unpeel it and they stick it on the bottom of the table. Put it on! Right? Live it out. Look at verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be children of God. But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be the children of God. To those who believe in His name. Who were born not of natural descent, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. That's a good word. In 1990, um, baseball card company Don Russ distributed a card of a really popular guy, especially in Atlanta. This guy pitched for 22 seasons. In 2002, he set a National League record 55 saves to become the only the second pitcher in history to record 20 win seasons and a 50 save season in 2002. He's the only pitcher in Major League history to record 200 wins and 150 saves. He was one of the most prominent pitchers in playoff history. He was part of the, the, uh, the dream team, that, that, that trifecta of pitchers. Finally, from worst to first, y'all with me? In Braves country, he has a nickname. We call him Smoltzy. Y'all with me? Smoltzy. All right, this is a picture of that Don Russ picture right here. There he is. Don Russ. MVP. John Smoltz. Pitcher for the Braves. There's a problem with that picture. Somebody tell me the problem with that picture. That's not John Smoltz. That's Tom Glavin. So, so what's the deal? Well, Don Russ distributed these cards in error. Thousands of them. It was, it was a misprint. The, the, the issue is, is the guy that I described has been given the wrong name. Don Russ put this wrong label on him. Here's side by side what should have existed. Right here. There we go. There he is. Some of you guys probably had this card growing up. If I dig around, I, I know Cliff's probably got at least one. They're everywhere. And so as, you, you know, as I read this, I think, oh, man, I've got, I've got a rare card. Man, I can cash this thing, cash it in. I, I can take Saturdays off. But here's what I want you to know. You would think that this error <clears throat> increased the card's value, right? That's a misprint. Oh, it's rare. But it didn't. 
It didn't. It, it, the, the other card's actually worth a little more. The value, y'all catch this now, the value actually went down because real value comes in true identity of the original manufacturer that was intended in the baseball world. So what does it mean to apply ourselves as God sees us? Here it is. It means we apply the correct label as the manufacturer has intended. That'll change your heart. That'll cause you to look in the mirror and go, I don't feel, but I know. I don't like, but I know. When we understand our intended manufacturer, we stop being mislabeled by the world. Y'all with me? All people are creations of God. I don't want you to miss this. All people are creations of God. But it's only those that come back to God through the Father get the label as child of God. Not everybody's a child of God. We're all creations of God. It's only through Jesus that we can have the correct name, child of God. Orphans, no more. Peace and rest in the hands of an Abba Daddy. It's the grace of God that tells us that we've become new creatures in Christ. We have a new heavenly identity as God's kids. Here's the thing. I now enjoy complete forgiveness from being a runaway. I'm not on the streets anymore carrying fraudulent labels that the world wants to place on me. I'm His. I'm a child of His. One of the things I look forward to you know, in, in, in on Sunday morning is just hanging out with you and your kids. Just I don't see you guys much during the week. You know, so coming in, I, I enjoy seeing that. But there's there's one that I enjoy seeing more than others. Because I don't normally see her before I leave the house. And so when she walks in this room, I'm like, there she is. That's my girl. That's Emma. You know, Sadie's in kids town. She rides over here with me. She loves to open this place in, in for ministry. She still loves ministry. She's like, it's a mission trip. Let's go. So she comes over early. She unlocks Kids Town. She turns the heat on. She gets her name tag. The whole thing. Emma will come over a little later. But when she walks in, I'm like, of all the kids I, I look forward to seeing, why this one? She's my child. So I saw her this morning. She, she walks in. And um, I said over here, I said, hey, good morning, Emma. She goes, good morning, church. <laughs> I'm like you preacher's kid <laughs> so I didn't say that when I got up here this morning morning church here's the thing as, God, as, as God's kids we have limitless privileges as unconditionally accepted members of God's family and the decision to apply your true identity in Christ is outlined for us right here in verse 13 as we wrap up. Look at this. So many times we get caught up in the first three verses of John. In the beginning, God created the expression of God. Whoa! But verse 13 is, is so, so sweet. Verse 13 says this. Who were born 
not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Here's what I mean by that. The decision to to apply your true identity in Christ is not decided by what your parents say you are. By human desire, your feelings, or by those in authority. We're talking about what gives you your true identity. It says it, it, says it right here. Not the natural descent. Your true identity is not how you naturally operate, the way you feel. Or of the will of the flesh. You are not who the people on this earth say you are. You don't inherit identity from your, from your parents. Or the will of man. Here's what I'm talking about that. Those in authority. Congress, ESPN, school boards, or the NCAA does not apply identity to you. To us. It has to be applied personally in truth. And so here's what I want to end with. To be confident, shine the light of Jesus on yourself and believe it. To be comfortable in your own skin. And y'all, that's not easy to do. To be comfortable in your own skin. Tall, short, fast, or slow. Some of you guys run so slow you kill the grass. I get it. Tall, short, Fast or slow, red, brown, yellow, black, and white. I'm saying shine the light of Jesus on yourself and accept it and apply it and live in it. Let's stand together. I want to read one verse and we're done. If you have your copy of God's Word, and I don't even think it's on the screen because it's a curveball for the team, open to John 16, verse 33. Or if you have a device, If not, just look on with somebody or just listen. John 16, 33. I am who I am. Because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. John 16. I'm going to start in verse 31 actually. I encourage you guys to memorize uh, this this week. Jot it down on that green slip of paper you've been working on. John 16, 31 says this. Jesus responded to them. Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home. And you'll leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me, the source of truth, y'all with me? In me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. How do you find peace in your identity? It's in Christ. You will have sufferings in this world. What in the world is going on? 
But why do I have such peace in who I am? You will have sufferings in this world. Be courageous. Exclamation point. I've overcome the world. Jesus didn't come into the world to turn it upside down. He came into the world to turn it right side up. And it's not an earthly movement. It is a heavenly kingdom that will one day include all believers who are in Christ to rule and to reign as children of God. So you are a child of God if you accept it and if you apply it. Stop being an orphan and come home. Let's pray together. God, you're faithful. God, you are so faithful. God, you're faithful that when we were orphaned on the street, living fraudulent lives, being blown and labeled by the winds and the waves of this world, who were acting in darkness, shady and sketched, Lord, being ruled by the darkness that is more deceptive than any beast of the field. God, the one that your word says comes to kill, steal, and destroy everything you have come to do in us, through us, and for us. God, but you came over the horizon to flip the light on, to reveal what our hearts need the most, Lord. And that is to be reconciled with you, labeled, accepted, lived out as children of God. So God, I pray for us this morning in our coming time of invitation that we would respond with boldness, with courage and be appropriate with a word that's been rightly divided this morning. God, I pray that it would come forth and it, would, it has already found its way, a soft place into the heart of someone this morning. God, if there's a person here that's confused about their identity, now they're wondering who they are, what they need to be doing, the direction that life should be taken. God, that they would lay those feelings at the truth, at the feet of Jesus. Or if there's somebody this morning that is not sure where they would spend eternity. God, they will be willing, just like Branson Faith did last week, they will be willing to step out and come forward right here and proclaim in repentance and confession, that they are lost. They have no identity in you. Their identity and their purpose is found in the world, but they want to have a new identity and an address in heaven. Lord, you said you were going to prepare a place for us, and you can't sin, so you can't lie. You said if you're going to prepare a place for us, you would come and get us and take us to where you are. God, we don't create space on earth for you to come here. You've already done that, Lord. You prepare a place for us after the cross so we can be with you. We can live our lives for you. So God, I pray that you would realign a distracted mind this morning. Maybe a mind that's filled with confusion, depression, chaos, Lord, that's resulting from an untrue identity. God set some people free this morning. God, we are a child of God. God, you didn't want us to live in the darkness. You broke through that darkness for me. God, you broke through that darkness for us. 
God, it is for your glory, not for ours. And it's for that that we live this morning. God, I thank you for your sweet spirit in here. God, you have worked in us and around us because of the truth that you are. God, we praise you. That's all we know to do. Praise you. Why? When? How? Where? Through your Son. God, thank you for the blood of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.